Well, hey, this morning, um, I was thankful for the way that uh, worship was just, Nathan put together worship and organized, um, just had this, kind of this uh, just deep conviction for a little while as I've uh, shared my testimony with you guys. I want to share a little bit of that again this morning. Um, and by the way, I did not pass, I had COVID two weeks ago, my fam, all my family got it, except for one of my sons. And uh, I did not go to Jimmy's house and, like, spread it to him, I promise. Um, so we do pray for our brother uh, and his family, especially his parents, um, just to protect them and that the symptoms would be mild uh, for them especially. So, um, but I bet I've had this deep conviction in my heart, um, and sometimes that's a good thing when you're a preacher, and sometimes, like, you hadn't fleshed all that out, and so it's a dangerous thing. Uh, sometimes, not dangerous, but can be a little messy. Uh, so this might be a little messy, because uh, I've been fleshing out this whole idea of new creation. Uh, and I thought, man, what a better way to begin the new year than to talk about new creation in Christ. Uh, and so uh, as we read this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, I think, I believe that this text is, is very personal and almost an intimate testimony of Paul. Uh, as good Reformed theologians and followers of Jesus, sometimes we read texts like this and we get so caught up in the theological intricacies of it that we think Paul was sitting down just writing this theological discourse to really unpack the, the beauty of the atonement and all that. He is doing that. But none of the biblical writers are writing in a vacuum. It's all intimately tied to who they are as people. And I believe this is an intimate tie into the person of Paul. So uh, if you will look at this passage with me in uh, First Corinth- or Second Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Hang on, sorry. Let's stand just to give your God's word uh, and uh, to give your backsides a break. So think of this as a very personal letter, personal intimate encounter uh, from Paul. Are you ready? For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised from now on therefore We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message, to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. I, uh, just to give you a little window, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the new series uh, on National Geographic, on Disney+, Plus. Uh, Will Smith, it's called Welcome to Earth. Uh, it's really, really cool. It's got some, a few bad words here and there, just to warn those with younger kids, but it's really tremendous. He, he hits these details of, of creation, uh, one on sound, uh, one on, on scent, and it's on one of these unseen hidden powers that are in the earth that we, we don't really recognize or think about often. Uh, it's really cool. You know, one time they talk about this salt flat in Bolivia uh, that fills up in the rainy season. It fills up with like a, an inch of water, but it's miles long, so they can drive out on it. And it creates this massive mirror of the sky. And so they, in this one episode, they go out at night with their camera and they're recording the Milky Way galaxy. And they're showing the Milky Way galaxy rotate around and then Will Smith starts commentating on what's actually happening is the earth is spinning around. And then he talks about the earth traveling through our Milky Way galaxy at 490,000 miles per hour. And we don't even feel it. It's kind of this unperceived world that's going on. So I recommend it to you. And I, and I sense that, uh, you know, in the science world, I was a science major in college, and I wasn't, I wasn't good at physics. I never took a physics class. But in physics, they talk about two aspects uh, of energy. One is potential energy, and one's kinetic energy. Now, this ball right here has not a whole lot. It's not a huge ball, but it has potential energy. Right? And when I drop this ball, right then, from that point where it drops and you hear it hit the floor, is kinetic energy. Right now, it has potential energy. When it drops and it's in motion, it has kinetic energy. My conviction has been that the church is sitting on the most massive amount of potential energy, not in some weird new age sense I'm not talking about, but a massive amount of potential energy as new creations in Christ. And I'm wondering when is it that the church is going to tap in to that energy source that it becomes kinetic energy. And it begins renewing communities and renewing homes and renewing lives 
of people around us. So I want to tell you, part of the reason I tell you this story is because I believe that Paul has experienced in his own life this experiential encounter with Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, and it's taken this kind of this potential energy that Paul had that was being used for evil and being used in sinful ways, now has this potential energy because now he's been renewed in Christ and he's encountered him, that now there's this kinetic energy released, just this boom, this power that God is using in and through him. I have a sense in which like that's happening in my life. Not to tell you this in any in, in the same way that Paul doesn't tell you this story in some way that he's arrived or any way that I've arrived. But I can tell you in the last seven years as I've begun to encounter the person of Jesus, life just looks differently for me. Even passages like this, all of a sudden just boom, they just they bust open with something new and fresh. And I feel like there's a sense in which this potential energy of encountering Christ is going to release this kinetic energy into, into God's people. And I feel like that's what he's doing around the world is he's, he's take this refining fire of COVID and these things and, and he's unleashing this potential energy into kinetic energy. Paul begins this passage, for the love of Christ controls us, compels us. Right? It's not Paul's love for Christ that's compelling him. It's Christ's love for Paul that's compelling him. Notice what he says, because he's concluded what? That the one who has died for all, and therefore all have died. He's concluded this encounter with Christ, this one person, this magnificent person that would come and live his life in such a way that he would be willing to die for sinners and go to the cross and die for them. It's this love of Christ upon the cross, this love that someone would die for you and for me in the wretched state that we are in, and Christ would come and die for us. This love is the love that controls and compels Paul. But I don't want us to be... Um, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's all of it. I, see, I think there's this actual, this intricate connection with the love of Christ that initiates this potential energy into kinetic energy, if you will. And then I think there's also, once we're bound to Christ, there's this spirit within us that begins to love. And so there's this, there's this movement of the Spirit, there's this movement of Christ that controls, that compels us because he's died for us, and he's died for us once for all, and that turns into this, his love for me is turns into this, my love for him. They're intricately tied together. So my journey over the past seven years is just, I, I honestly don't know if I was a believer. I was an ordained pastor for a long time. I don't know if I was a believer before six or seven years ago. I knew a ton of stuff. 
I knew a ton of the intricacies of the atonement and the sovereignty of God. I honestly look back and I don't know that I knew Jesus. I know a lot about him. I knew a lot about his work and what he'd done. I don't know that I knew him. I tell you this now, again, not to say that I've arrived, but I'm in love with Jesus. And it's changed me. (laughs) You can ask my family. I got a long ways to go. Jesus has a lot of work to do. But there's something in me. I experienced the love. Perhaps all those years I knew Christ's love for me. And just now in the past few years, I've understood that that is now compelling me to love him. And it's changing everything. Get to know Jesus Christ. Please don't, don't delve yourself, don't get lost in the theological mire uh, that we're so good at. Don't depersonalize your faith by doing that. Not saying don't study it, but man, be careful. It's a razor's edge. His love compels me to want to know and love him. And what it does, Paul says, see how intimate and personal this is? In verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live might do what? Might no longer live for themselves. Man, if that's not like culturally shocking, right? In every fiber of our being, of every fiber of our existence, of what was fed to us day in and day out through our phones, through media, through consumerism, materialism, every aspect of it is live for yourself. Our education system, all of it. Make the best grades so you can make a good ACT, so you can get into a good college, so you can repeat the American dream. It's all about you. The message is loud and clear, but Paul says, no, the love of Christ compels me. This one who's died for me, He's died for me so that I might no longer live for myself, but I live for him. It's transformed Paul's whole understanding. You get it? Paul was going around killing Christians. He was living for himself. He was doing what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and how he wanted to do it. And he says, now that I've encountered the love for Christ and I've began to experience the love for Christ, this love of Jesus and who this person is, now I'm totally transformed and I don't want to live for myself anymore. Man, that's radical. What if you and I began to actually live for God and not ourselves? Again, a razor's edge. Notice what he says too. It's not only transformed his kind of view of not living for himself, but look at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Not only has this love of Christ compelled him to no longer live for himself, it's also changed the way he looks at others. 
He no longer regards people as the fle- from the flesh. He no, no longer probably measures them according to status on a, on a scale if you're at the top or if you're at the bottom of the culture in Corinth. Or if you're at the bottom or the top of the culture in Chattanooga, if you're at the bottom of the top of the culture in who you are as a student and how good your grades are, or whether you're at the top of your business or the bottom of it. He says, I no longer regard anyone by the flesh. And he used to regard Christ that way. Who is this man who claims that he's perfect and righteous in all his ways? He no longer, it's transformed, the love of Christ has transformed his view of other people. So number one, this kind of kinetic energy, if you will, that Jesus Christ has created, this potential energy in Paul is being transformed into kinetic energy that he no longer lives for himself and he no longer views others in the same way. And he says these beautiful words about new creation in 17. Therefore, if anyone, you see, this is what he concludes. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I picture this. I mean, imagine in your mind, this is, this is uh, Genesis language, beautiful new creation language. Imagine, if you will, if you're able to have front row seats as Jesus created the world in Genesis 1 as we have it accounted for us. Imagine there's a there's spirit is hovering over the waters and Jesus says, let there be light. And just boom, it just explodes into the darkness. And then he creates trees and environments and, and water and mountains. And it's just all this, just this newness of life that's coming onto the scene. And Paul can't think of any other thing to to describe what's happened in his life than to go, I'm a new creation. That means that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. I want to share with you this morning that if you are sitting here this morning and you're listening to this on the web, if you have had a moment in your life where you've said, I know and realize that I am a sinner and I need Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save me. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That means sin doesn't win anymore. That's an ultimate victory. You you get the sense in which what I'm saying is this, this massive amount of potential energy that's about to be unleashed, and it's being unleashed in you and his church as the body of Christ, as we are new creations in Christ Jesus. That means every ounce of you is being renewed and and redone. That means your emotional life is becoming renewed. You're becoming more healthy emotionally. That means your physical body needs to be renewed physically. That means your mind needs to be renewed and it's becoming new in Christ. We always just tend to sit on the one aspect of the mind. But it's every part of you. Jesus comes to, to create new things in every ounce and fiber of your being. 
He wants newness in you and everywhere. In the way you do relationships, in the way you think about things, in the way you think about yourself, in the way you think about other people, in the way you handle your emotions in moments of, of, uh, of testing. Man, I need that one. I'm a wreck emotionally. I'm a new creation. You have a massive amount of potential in you. And I think what he's getting at here, he's, he's saying this creation stuff because the creator has come again. Remember Adam and Eve, they were walking in the garden with God in the cool of the day. Jesus, the second Adam, comes and walks on the garden to bring a new creation in. And it's no, it's, it doesn't really become viv- really clear for us until right after the resurrection. He's resurrected in a garden. He's mistaken as the gardener. He encounters one woman, the new Eve, with the new Adam in a new garden. What is it that's brought the new creation about? Why is Paul so excited about the new creation? We celebrate it every year, but we celebrate it every Sunday. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. New life in Christ. That's the reason that we're called new creations because Christ has overcome death and Christ in you is overcoming all things. You are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And then I love it, right? In verse 18, all this is from God. Just a reminder of the beauty that God is the one, the Father is the one that initiated all this, this love, this sending of his son because he's busting onto the scene, this new creation. See, we have a really good, we do a really good job with the already and the not yet. But what I'm talking to you right now is the right now. Lots of our Even a lot of our songs, and I don't know if Nathan meant to do this, but a lot of our songs and a lot of our stuff is kind of like future-oriented, which is great. We need to have that eye set on the future. But what about right now? How does this aspect of you being a new creation impact your life right this minute, in this day? Right, and let's look at verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. It's one way it impacts your life right now. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to us, us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So what does this new creation, how does it impact the right now? Especially impacts those of us, 
or I'll say all of us, who have besetting sin in our life. And all of us have it. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with some particular sin that you just, it just continues to be this one thing that just hits your life over and over again, I want you to know that you're not alone. Everyone in the sound of my voice, even if you're in Christ, has a besetting sin that they struggle with. It doesn't mean that you can't have victory over it. It just means there's certain sins that you're going to battle with probably until Christ returns or you go home to see him. But the important thing, important question is, is are you in the battle? Are you in the war against it? As a new creation, you've been given the spirit of Jesus living within you to fight against the tide of that. You've been reconciled to God, right? The one who was offended by your sin has been reconciled and you've been made one with his son. You are a son of Adam. Sin will not have final victory in your life. And if there is a besetting sin in your life, you can, in the present, have victory over it. And not to get all charismatic on you or anything, but by the power of the Spirit and the fact that you're a new creation, it could be this very morning where you lay that down and you say, I am done and I give it to Jesus Christ. The battle with that particular sin in my life, from here on out, I'm going to determine to immerse myself and know the one who loves me and fall deeper in love with him, which I believe is the greatest strength with the Spirit, because that's what the Spirit likes to do, is to cultivate a heart of love for Jesus. And when that happens, the battle of sin is fought more readily. But man, if you're like me in so many years, I kind of had this, yeah, the grace of God is in me and he's given me the strength to overcome this sin. I'm not being, I don't want to sound like a jerk saying that. But the grace of God is active. It means you pursue holiness. You pursue knowing this one who has redeemed you. It doesn't happen by passively sitting in your room by yourself or passively letting the Bible sit there and collect dust on your shelf and you never open it. And then you go, man, I feel so distant from God. What is, what is going on? Man, I continue to struggle with this sin. Why do I keep struggling with this sin? And it goes on for year after year after year. I'm sharing part of my testimony <laughs> Right? We've been given, like, this is like kinetic energy, right? P- potential energy. Ah, ooh, kinetic energy. Potential energy. Kinetic energy. That makes sense? Man. Another thing I love that he he says that uh, in verse 19, he's not counting their trespasses against them. God's not counting. He's not going, yep, 16th time today that Robert has become impatient and yelled. Tick mark. 
He's not counting. He doesn't count that against us. Why? Because it's been counted against Christ. That's how much he loves you. There's no shame. He's removing shame from you. Isaiah 43, talking about a new creation, says this. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Spirit can take those things those places of dryness in the desert and bring water. All right, he says also that you have a, you have a new message, you're ambassadors. You have a new message, right? Therefore, we're ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us, this message of reconciliation. Can you believe that? That is craziness that you and I would be considered ambassadors? How is that even possible? That we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You might not have the confidence in yourself to think, well, I'm not really an ambassador. I don't have the right words to say. I need more training in evangelism. I need training in apologetics. Maybe you do. But man, the greatest apologetic is who do you love? Are you in love with Jesus? If if you fall in love with Jesus... It becomes pretty simple. A friend of mine at, that I work with was in New York City over the break. He's from um, New York, somewhere in New York City. And uh, he was visiting family, and uh, he said he, uh, he's just, he's a, this new guy I hired. He's in Florida, and, uh, man, his testimony is really powerful. I hope he can come someday. But he's all tattooed up and does jujitsu. He's like this... And he, he wears Jesus shirts all the time. So he walks into this coffee shop and he said, he's, he just loves talking about Jesus. And he was like, man, I've been praying. I want to I have a conversation with somebody about Jesus. And there's this table of four people sitting. He's waiting in line and he hears them. They're talking about the political junk of the day and bantering back and forth about the world and stuff. And they made a comment about his shirt and said, yeah, I wonder if, I wonder if that guy has any ideas about it. Just kind of real smug kind of. So he turns and he's like, hey, what's up? And starts talking to them and engaging them. And he said, uh, he said, they said, well, we just, we just saw your shirt. Thought it was kind of funny. And he said, uh, I really, I'd, I'd just love to tell you about the greatest person that's ever lived. And he said he just took five minutes and just told him about the person of Jesus and how insanely incredible he is. And they said, man, if everybody in this thing y'all call the church talked about Jesus the way you did, I might actually try out a church sometime. And it's just... God has made us ambassadors to talk about 
the one that we love. It's not complicated. You don't have to study all the intricacies of evolution versus creation and all those different aspects. I think those are important things. I love studying that stuff. But talk about the things you love. What are you crazy about? Who are you crazy about? You're a son of Adam. Don't y'all love the, that whole idea of new creation that's in Chronicles of Narnia? We watched it over Christmas. And uh, the white witch has kind of frozen everything. And then Aslan comes in and like everything starts thawing out. And he breathes on things and brings life back to him. And the green starts coming back and the creation just starts popping. Right? That, and, they, and I love the way they call the, the children in there the sons and daughters of Adam. Just a really beautiful picture, isn't it? That's, it. That's what Aslan is doing right now in you. New creation popping up everywhere. Read Romans 8 today and see how the Spirit, if, if you don't believe that, right, Romans 7 and Romans 8. Romans 7 seems like, man, the flesh is winning. There's this equal battle going on, and then you get to Romans 8, and you're like, oh, the Spirit's winning. The very spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead now resides in you. You can overcome those things. Let me close with, uh, Andrew, will you put uh, chapter 6 up there for me? This is what I believe Paul in this, this whole thing that he's, he's made new. And I think in chapter 6, he's, He's really sharing with us what a new creation person looks like. So look at this. Look at these verses with me. See if I can find them in my notes real quick. And think about potential energy becoming kinetic energy in the life of Paul and in yourself. Working together with him then. Isn't that interesting phrase? Working together with him. So this ambassador, like we're, we're working for our Father in heaven, alongside Christ who's with us. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And then the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, next year is the favorable time. Behold, when you're 50 years old, the day of salvation. No, that's not what he says. Can I just interject here? All you guys, raise your hand if you're 20 years and under. No adults cheated. Good. Okay, the reason I say that is I just turned 50. And man, I look, I guarantee if you went around to every adult in here and you said, and when do you wish that you really started getting serious about pursuing Jesus and falling in love with Jesus? How many of, how many of you adults, raise your hand, wish you'd have started when you were their age? Raise your hand. Maybe some of you did, and that's awesome. But man, what you have, like, you're the next generation of the church. All you guys, look at me. All you're under 20, 
you're the next generation of people who are going to be sitting in this room or another room, a church somewhere. You have massive potential energy in you. Make it turn into kinetic energy. Make it go from here and, whoo, man, do something crazy with your life in Jesus. Get to know him early. Stop falling in love with him now. Imagine what the church is going to look like if they get a hold of that. You guys get a hold of Jesus, man, nothing's going to hold it back. Where was I? Oh, behold, right? That's why I say behold now is a favorable time. Paul says now. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's not in the future. It's not when I turn 20. It's not when I turn 50. It's not when I turn 70 and retire and I have more time. It's now. Verse 3, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found. Wow, with our ministry. Man, He's walking like Jesus. He's imitating Jesus. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Wow, can, you, can we say that? Is that I imitate and look like Jesus so much that I commend myself in every way? By the way, we handle hardship, trouble, Here's how we are to live as new creations. By great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger. Paul's not complaining every time a hardship comes along like I do. Paul handles affliction, hardship, calamity, beating, imprisonment, all of that he handles because he knows the suffering of Christ and he's actually entering into union with Christ in that suffering. He goes, man, I get to experience Jesus here. He's a new creation. As new creations, how do we handle hard things? And he says in verse six, by purity. These are descriptions of Jesus here, I think, who are are being seen in Paul and his fellow workers by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. I love the way he ends this. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In other words, what affections of your life are in the way of potential energy becoming kinetic energy. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you first loved us.
We would have never known what love is in this world had you not come and taken on flesh and lived a sinless life, died upon a cross and was raised from the dead. We would never know love. Jesus, I pray that in this body of Christ, Mountain Fellowship, that our potential as the body of Christ, the potential of that love that is within all of us, that potential of the spirit that is in us, the potential of all that transformation, the kinetic energy, like that we would become the hands and the feet of Jesus to people and they would say when they encounter us, they encounter Jesus himself. We are new creations, Lord Jesus. Give us the grace and the power of your spirit to live that reality, to live who we are created to be, that we might be fully human again, giving glory not to ourselves, but to the one who made us. In Jesus' name, amen.